Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. Welcome, everybody. Today, I am uh, very excited to be joined by my good friend, Scott Harvey of the Speaking with Harvey podcast. He uh, he is a well-known communication consultant, public speaker, speaks nationally, has an amazing background, um, which he'll get into. I don't want to divulge all his information, um, but he's got some great tips for you. I'm very glad for him to be here. So thanks, Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hey, I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited to talk about some important stuff for everybody's businesses. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, you and I have gone, we know each other from way back, right? And way back, yeah. Way back. The older I get, the longer way gets held, <laughs> you know, way back. Um, so after us knowing each other and growing mm-hmm. up in church and all of the way back, mm-hmm. what, you know, what was your professional experience or what has been kind of your foundation for going into um, all the communication work? Yeah. So I left Ohio to go to college in Kentucky. uh, And I realized in Kentucky, they have beautiful women, fast horses and bourbon. So I didn't see a reason to leave. Uh, So I stayed here once I new members. They are. We are accepting (laughs) applications. Uh, You you can move South anytime you want to, but uh, I came down here to go to college and uh, studied uh, police administration at Eastern Kentucky University, met my wife on a blind date, and she is from Nicholasville, Kentucky. And so I live in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Uh, My family has since followed down here. But once I graduated college, got married, I hired on to a city police department here in Kentucky, right outside of Lexington. Uh, and you know, worked the street for a few years and then got into the D.A.R.E. program. I started teaching D.A.R.E. in the schools because you know, I jokingly say you can only load so many body bags before you try to get upstream of the problem and try to help people make better choices before they get to there. So that's how I got into the prevention aspect of law enforcement. And then just a couple years into the job, I trained as a hostage negotiator. We had our own SWAT team and our own negotiations team. And so I trained in that through the FBI, and then I trained to be a public information officer. So most of my law enforcement career was prevention focused and dealing with the public in one way or another, either teaching different classes in the community or um, dealing with the media, doing press releases, uh, and then negotiating when it hit the fan. I was one of the officers that would talk to the person who was in crisis. And I, it, there was times where I would actually talk to them to try to work out their situation. And then I'd go and interview with the news about the situation. Now, this was in the days before social media, so that the the person I was talking to wasn't getting live updates from Facebook. It was a lot easier back then. Uh, but I have been communicating professionally for my whole career. And uh, it's a lot of people get into law enforcement to to make the world better, which I for sure did, but I just didn't realize what that would look like for me, that it became prevention focused very quickly uh, and then communications focused. And every door that opened up for me in law enforcement was, I believe, because of my ability to communicate and my lack of fear when it comes to communicating, uh, because it's just, it's something we all need to do. You know, fast forward to today, I retired from the police department in 2018. Uh, after 20 years of service, I started my own company as a side gig in actually 2010. I worked both jobs for eight years because 
The nice thing about the retirement at the police department is 25 years now, but it was 20 when I was in, is there was always a potential end date. So the idea was at 43, I wasn't going to sit at home and do nothing. My wife had made that quite clear uh, and also had kids to get through college. So, you know, sitting at home on a public pension was not going to make that happen. So eight years left, I started speaking at conferences and uh, those conferences turned into school assemblies. Those school assemblies turned into more conferences. And then when I retired, it turned into corporate speaking and doing training, basically communication based training. So over 500 stages, hundreds of thousands of people I've been blessed to speak to in the last 10, 11 years. And uh, we're super excited that 2021 is seeing those stages open back up because really in 2020, March of 2020, I effectively lost my job. Uh, in the public speaking world, there just weren't any stages. And so I pivoted and did some online courses and ramped up my coaching and that kind of stuff. But it's been uh, a difficult last 12 months, but uh, we just communicate our way through it. And I help organizations communicate uh, more effectively through the pandemic, because that is the one thing we saw when everybody became work from home, uh, communication became even more effective or more important, I should say. Uh, and those companies, I think, that are going to struggle coming out of this are the ones that didn't communicate their way through it. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I know in our business, it feels like everybody is more on edge. You know, everybody, um, the just the atmosphere is more divisive and argumentative. And whether that's, you know, in real estate, a lot of that is dealing with sellers or um, dealing with residents, tenants, applicants. And in talking with other investors, it's only getting worse, where instead of working towards a solution, there's just immediate animosity between the tenant and the property manager or, or the owner and, you know, arguments with trying to close a deal. So yeah. just in that atmosphere and talking to other investors, I thought I really needed to reach out to you because that really is a key to being successful. And it's only getting more important is how to handle that communication um, so that uh, upfront one, mm -hmm. so you prevent that animosity and, and conflict. But additionally, once you get into a difficult situation, how to work through it. So, so yeah, yeah, I think, you know, right now for the people that you're talking about, I think, you know, I'm reminded of Dave Ramsey quote that I'm a big fan of. He's, he's famous for saying to be unclear is to be unkind. I think we are in a world of communication right now where we have to be clear. That's easier said than done in a world where we're so afraid of saying the wrong thing. Uh, and so we beat around the bush of quote unquote sensitive topics and we're unclear. And that's actually very unkind to the people that you're speaking to. You just need to, at the risk of offending somebody, say what needs to be said so that your point of clarity. Now, that being said, you build the relationship to a point where if you do say something that someone takes offense to, they're able to say to you, hey, you know, this is how you, I heard you say that. And then you can make corrections and say, that's not how I meant it at all. Let me clarify what I meant by that. I think we have to be clear in our communication. And when you're dealing with a, a landlord-tenant dispute or something like that, one of the most effective things I learned as a negotiator is there's really two sections of your brain uh, when it comes to conflict uh, or when it comes to communication. If you picture like a teeter-totter, that's the best way to picture this. And you can picture that on the podcast. You're watching the video, you'll see my hands here. But in the podcast, you know, on one end of the teeter-totter is logic and reason. 
And on the other end of that teeter-totter is emotion in your brain. And so when emotion is high, the other end of the teeter-totter goes down, which is logic and reason. So emotion is super high, logic and reason are low. They're physiologically incapable of hearing a logical or reasonable solution to their problem when emotions are really high. And that emotion could be fear, stress, anger, frustration, whatever it is. If I'm dealing with somebody who is um, adversarial or who is upset, I may know the logical solution to their problem. You got to pay your rent or you've got to communicate better with me when you can't pay your rent, things like that. But if their emotion is up here, they're not able to hear that. So let them vent, let them gripe about the pandemic, let them gripe about everything they need to gripe about because as we get that out, emotion comes down and logic and reason come up, which is exactly why in a fight with your spouse or something like that, or they come home stressed from work and you're like, well, you just need to talk to them. And they fly off the handle And then 30 minutes later, at the end of the conversation, they're like, I think I'll just go talk to them. You said that 30 minutes ago, but they weren't able to physiologically hear it because emotion was too high. When emotion came down, then the logic and reason returns. So the beauty of that in our work, in our business world is anybody who lets me vent, who lets me gripe, who lets me talk about the things that are upsetting to me builds rapport with me. And anybody that builds rapport with me, I'm more likely to stay loyal to. We only do business with people we like, know, and trust. So if you build rapport with the people that you're dealing with, they're going to be more likely to do business with you. And at the end of that conversation, they may even apologize for the stuff they said at the beginning, because logic and reason is back. The opposite is also true. When emotion is really high, as a police officer, I know I can say things and do things that will keep that emotion high. I can talk you into fighting. I can talk you into resisting. Or I can do things to allow you to vent and I can bring that logic and reason back up. Mm. I think in the police world, one of the mistakes we've made today, and we're seeing it especially today, is we have brought logic and reason way up and emotion too far down. There, When logic and reason is way up, it feels like you don't care. And if I think you don't care, then I'm less likely to trust you. Now, the logic and reason allows us to make split-second decisions uh, that people will analyze for the next two or three years. You know, whether or not you had a gun, whether or not you were a threat to me, I have to logically make a decision in a split second. That doesn't allow for emotion. So I think we need to balance that a little bit better in the law enforcement world and maybe in the landlord-tenant world. Because to you, it's numbers on a spreadsheet. To you, it's a payment that's behind. To you, it's, it's whatever it is, to them, it's a threat to their house. It's a threat to their safety. And so they're going to come in it with a lot of emotion and you're going to come in it trying to balance your books with a lot, a lot, a lot of logic and emotion. So you're just yeah. going to miss each other. I think that's sharp. Um, that's a very good point. I like when I speak, you know, related to how to deal with sellers, number one step is building rapport. Right? Absolutely. That seller is only going to listen to you if they know you care about them and their situation. So I think that's a great point in dealing with all aspects. If I don't reach out to a resident until there's an issue, well, then they don't think that I understand them and they don't think it's personal. Um, mm-hmm. It's very difficult to work through that. And just, you know, thinking through this as you're talking, thinking, you know, when I started, and there were 10 residents, it was very easy to be personal. Mm -hmm. 
and to have that rapport from the move-in process and the application process. Mm -hmm. But as you scale in today's day and age, you push everything into automation and virtual and it's, you know, a few texts Mm -hmm. and I've never met half the people that live in our units. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting. How do you, you know, do you have any recommendations on how to build that rapport in today's age where we are isolated Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the communication is digital, virtual. Yeah, I think it's easier now than more than ever. And and the beauty of it is, like, think of it as in in any other relationship. We all have that friend who only texts, who only calls when they need something. I'm not mad at them. I just know when they call, (laughs) they're talking about stuff and I'm just waiting. I'm like, so what's up? And they're like, well, I'm moving this weekend. I'm like, I kind of figured something. Here it comes. Here it comes. (laughs) I'm not mad, but that's the only time you reach out to me. So how do we solve this in the business world today? Man, we set up automatic texts or we drop a text to everybody that's just some fun fact, some fun thing. It's, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Uh, Or something like that that just keeps that line of communication open. Text is way better than email. It's just more personal. They're going to forget about it quicker than an email, but it hits the same way their friends hit. And so it comes through a channel that is very friendly, very intimate. Now, I know I'm not stupid. I know that's a group text. I know it wasn't to me personally. It doesn't matter. You're still communicating with me. Or first of the month, hey, it's time to check your furnace filters. Or every six months, it's time to change the batteries in your smoke detectors. Man, I want to protect your home for you. So you know, get those batteries changed if you don't do that for your customers. But Set up something that's just kind of recurring that keeps those lines of communication open. And then if you have the technological ability, allow them to text back to that number. Allow and have a person that that monitors that because they may get a text from you that says, hey, happy St. Patrick's Day. And then they text you back like, I'm so glad you texted me. We've got a broken window or something that we need to get fixed. And they've done that because you initiated the conversation. You can schedule these. You can have software that will do this for you. But I would recommend that you just keep those lines of communication open. And then once in a while, I'm a big fan of Andy Stanley. And he has this phrase. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't do huge things for every one of your tenants. But occasionally, you can do something super nice for one. uh, And then that word will spread. That word will spread in the community to say, and my landlord just did this thing that I never thought they would do. And then your name is, is elevated above other landlords because you care. You did it for one person. Uh, and your other tenants, when they hear about it, they're like, that's my landlord. You know, that, that's, sure. that's my person. Uh, you didn't even do it for them, but you'll, you'll, they'll ride those coattails to an extent. So, you know, build yeah. the relationships, do for one, wow somebody occasionally uh, and see if it doesn't pay dividends. It's interesting that today it's easier than ever to communicate and build that rapport because, you know, naturally I think, well, it's harder because it's impersonal. Right. It's a a text. It's not us sitting down and talking in person. Right. But I, I do agree in thinking about it. It's easier to communicate with a large group of people regularly. For sure. And, and have that personal personal connection it's a different personal for sure you know but yeah that's great now and it's I think easier than ever I, the the one thing that sets me free when companies say it is well it was on the website 
That's what I hear all the time. I'm like, I didn't know anything about this. And they're like, well, it was on the website. Listen, I don't go to your website. <laughs> I don't check your website. Even if I owe you money, I'm not going to your website. So you, you can don't stay on 15 there. 15 minutes looking through all the no. pages and that fine print at the bottom of the. No, the you shouldn't. Page. You shouldn't expect me to find information that you want me to get. Send it to me. Uh, and then at least I can't say I didn't know. I may say, oh, I forgot all about that. But at least I knew. Uh, and you, because you sent it to me, you are the giver and the provider of information. That's what's best for me. Uh, and those are little deposits. And I know they're automated. I know they're, they're mass produced, but you're still my person. You're still my go-to person to call when I need something, because you keep showing up in my texts, in my emails, uh, in the different ways that I communicate today. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love that you call it a deposit too, Mm -hmm. that little, positive communication as you continually do those and put essentially a deposit into that relationship. That's what you have to draw upon when there is a conflict or a difficult conversation. And there will be a problem there. There isn't every business. There's going to come a time where you said you would do something for them and you didn't, or a repair you're going to make took longer than you thought it was going to take. But you have this deposit, this, this bank of good stuff you've done to draw upon, and then you can make it right when you're done give them a $25 gift card. You know, I'm sorry your kitchen took longer than it, than we thought it would to be fixed. You know, go go to Applebee's tonight on me. And I appreciate you being a tenant. Uh, that's cost you almost nothing in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and that's probably the overage that your contractor maybe paid you because they didn't get the job done in time. You know, they, they refunded you X amount of money for not getting the job done. You can turn some of that into a gift card for them. Uh, yeah. And it just shows that you care. Sure. Yeah, that's probably what it comes down to in the end, right? Demonstrate that you care. Absolutely. That they are a person, not a number. Yeah, and they're a house. I mean, our house is the biggest thing in in your world. I mean, that's the number one thing in my my world is where I live, where I feel safest, where, you know, people come and visit me, where my kids are being raised. It's not just a property, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to some of us, it can just be like, I have 57 properties. You have 57 families that are trusting you to provide a safe place for them to live. I mean, that's a huge thing when you think about your house and all the things that happens in your house, uh, that you feel safe there. And that's where memories are made and all that stuff. It's, I heard a story the other day of a builder who three months after he builds a home, uh, he works it out with the client where he sends a film crew in to interview the family that lives there. And they're like, this is the living room where my daughter learns to learn to walk. This is the kitchen table where we sit and have these conversations. And then he shows it to his, his building crews. So they realize this isn't just a house we're building. This is somebody's hopes and dreams. Uh, this is what will appear in home videos. This will what appear in family photos. Mm. All of these kids' memories, all of my kids' memories are based on the house, the house they lived in at the time. Uh, and so it's not just a part of a portfolio. It's a lot to that end user. And we just, I think we need to remind ourselves of that and we'll communicate more effectively when we kind of see the lens they're viewing it from. That's sharp. Yeah, that's great. In that aspect, it is a great opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. To impact if you are dealing with 50, 60 families within one community, that is a large impact if you positively influence their family for those years that they're in your properties. That's huge. Absolutely. Yep. Your your public reputation will bring you more business than anything else. I mean, in the police world, I knew the guy 
the the landlord who he paid all of their utilities out of their rent so that when they made him mad, he could just turn their utilities off. And we couldn't criminally do anything about that because they weren't paying their own utilities. So the mm. way Kentucky law was set up, you know, he could turn their power off in the middle of the night and there wasn't anything they could do. He, he changed locks on people, on families uh, when they made him mad. And I pushed him on this and he's, I said, show me in the lease where it says you can do that. He goes, well, they didn't sign a lease but they agreed to, and this was the kind of person. So that's the person mm-hmm. that I would tell people to avoid at all costs. And I know your people, if they're listening to podcasts, if they're following you, they're not those people, right? but they know those people. And so the more we can distance ourselves from those people and set ourselves apart from those people, those are the deposits into your public account, into your community account that will bring you residents. Because when somebody moves out of one of your properties, I mean, I know that's a, that's an expense that is sitting there on the books for months at a time, possibly. But if you are the landlord that everybody wants to rent from, that lessens your downtime, it increases your overhead, and it all happens because you were just taking care of people. Yeah, sure. That's good stuff. All right, so I got a, I got a little change of pace for you. Okay. So you speak at a lot of businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, consulting on how they can communicate better as a team or, you know, as a company. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of real estate investors, I have these discussions all the time where generally real estate investors start out as an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And they're very hard driven um, and make all the decisions on their own. But as they grow, they have to include a team. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they don't have really any experience running a team, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's no real estate investor degree on how to build a team. (laughs) So, so what would be some, some tips for people in how do you bring in people to work on your team and effectively keep that communication up so they know why they're there, what they're a part of, yeah. Um, what success looks like for them. Yeah. I think one of the key things is when we were looking for a new negotiator, we had about a three person team. So when somebody retired or left the team or something, if we were looking for a new negotiator, we weren't looking for the best talker in the agency, even though that's something we do, we were looking for the best listener in the agency, because as a negotiator, if you're a good listener, then you're hearing the needs and wants and desires of the person you're talking to. And that allows you to build rapport. It allows you to work closely with them for, for a resolution that's satisfying to everybody. I would think if I'm bringing somebody on my team, I'm not looking for the person that brings the style, that brings the pizzazz. I'm looking for the person who genuinely listens, who asks good questions, and maybe even thinks for a second or two before they respond. Because that shows that they care, that they're thoughtful. Anybody can come in there and, and fake it uh, and, and get through an interview. I would recommend doing multiple interviews in multiple settings. Um, take them out to eat. Uh, how do they treat the waiter? How do they you know, handle themselves amongst the other customers? That kind of stuff will all tell you kind of who this person is. But I think one of the mistakes we make in the, in our digital world today when it comes to our coworkers is we rely too much on texting and emailing to get information out. It's a good way to get information out. It's not a good way to build rapport and connect with people that are in your office. 
or on your team, whether they're remote or not. So a Zoom call goes a long way. Because one of the problems with communication is when you look at the whole message and you look at the research on it, 7% of our message is in the words we say. The other 93% is in our tone and in our body language, which is why you can get a text from your wife that you'll ask her a question and she'll text back and say, that's fine. You have no idea what that means because Trust me, I have done something before that my wife had texted, that's fine. And I didn't realize the tone in which she texted it. And I got in trouble for it. Because <laughs> right. You would think you'd have a 50-50 chance. You would think. Of getting but, that right. But it doesn't work out that way. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And I was sitting in an airport not too long ago, listening to three people talking about an email they received from their boss. And they were trying to, it took them 30 minutes to figure out what their boss meant by that's awesome. Because they're like, is that a sarcastic, that's awesome? I mean, does he mean that's awesome, I can't believe this is happening, or that's awesome, you should totally do this? And that was in an email. Mm -hmm. There's ambiguity yeah. when you don't have face-to-face -face interactions. But if I were to ask my wife face-to-face, -face, hey, do you care if I go out with my friends? And she goes, that's fine. I ain't going, Chad. Because, you know, her words said that's fine, but the message, the other 93% says, I don't want you to go, but I don't want to be the one to tell you not to go. And that's kind of an extreme example when it comes to a relationship, but we do this all the time in the workforce. You know, we say something through a text or worse yet, you get in trouble for a text or an email you sent and you can't figure out why. If you're ever wondering why somebody has ghosted you after you texted them or emailed them or whatever, have them read to you the text or the email. Hmm. When they read it back to you in their tone, you will immediately see why they're angry or why they're hurt. Because maybe you sent something that you thought was pretty self-explanatory, but they heard it or they read it in their tone through their lens, and now they're offended. And you can say what you want about the snowflakes of today and that kind of stuff, but miscommunication is huge when we're not face-to-face. Sure. So I think important yeah. things need to be face to face. If you're running five minutes late, that's a text, right? You don't have to set up a Zoom call to say, I'm going to be five minutes late because we get it, right? Yeah. But if you're running late to a job site where a customer is waiting, I wouldn't send a text. I would call them on the phone because you still pick up the nonverbals on a phone call. And you can say something like, I'm so sorry, you know, the, the materials weren't ready when I got there. I'm on my way to you. Because if I've been waiting for somebody to show up at my house at nine, I've actually been waiting since about 8.45 and I've been looking out the front door. And if you call me at 8.50 and say, listen, we're going to be 10 minutes late because of these things beyond our control, I'm not mad. But I start getting mad about nine o'clock if I haven't heard from you and you don't show up. So call, let them hear the regret in your voice uh, and say, I'm on my way and uh, we'll make it right when we get there. It just goes a long way. A text feels impersonal in that situation. And a phone call can be accomplished in a safer way if you're actually driving to the site. Uh, and it communicates more emotion. That's great. You know, I was thinking, so if I'm communicating with somebody, if I send a text, that is very literal. And that's no context, right? Mm -hmm. If I leave a voicemail or a phone call that has more context. Mm -hmm. But if I do a little... 20 second video, let's say it's somebody who I just want to touch base with 
if I do a 20 second video on my phone and text that, I think it has even more context. They get to see my facial expression. Yeah. They get to hear the tone of my voice. And I think we really can leverage the technology um, to include more of that context. For sure. And I can send a 20 second video faster than I can write an email. True. Because it's my phone. I, yeah. I just hold it, you know, get the good angle so that I can get rid of some of my chins, you know, get the good <laughs> angle, shoot them a quick video, you know, thank them for whatever and send it on its way. And email requires me to sit come sometimes in front of my computer. I get distracted by the other things. So video is a great way to communicate today. And, and I just think we, we have to make time for that kind of stuff. You're not going to over communicate today. Now, don't hear me saying that it is possible to micromanage and over communicate um, to your team, especially, but you know, communicate an expectation, communicate a destination. This is where I want us to be. And then you may get there differently, but as long as we get there, that's what I care about. Uh, if you're yeah. not getting there as a supervisor, then I do need to step in. Uh, but if you're getting there, even if you got there a different way than I would, cool. You know, we've got to let go of some of that control for our sanity's sake. That's sharp. Yeah. And I know from my experience, you know, that's a very, that's a big issue, not having context if we're communicating between Americans and the American mm. culture is very literal, you know? And yes. so if we are working with any other culture, we can almost be guaranteed that their communication is more contextual than ours. Mm -hmm. And so we need to go, you know, make, make it even more of a priority to go over the top with that contextual communication. For sure. And, you know, one thing to be aware of as we're communicating today as it's increasingly digital, just be aware that this is a record, like you're creating a permanent record of your communication, right, wrong or indifferent. And so don't text somebody, don't email somebody, don't send a video that you wouldn't want to be on the nightly news. Mm. Because if it's controversial enough, it very well could right? If, you know, if you say something you shouldn't have said, you react in a way you shouldn't have reacted. I tell people that I'm doing these presentations, just always assume you're being recorded because that's really the world we're living in today. You could be in a tenant's home in one of your properties and they could have cameras set up in their home that you know nothing about. They're cheap. They're, inex they're very easy to install and you won't see all of them. So just assume you're being recorded when you're not in your own home. Now that can make you paranoid or it can make you aware. I need to act like I have some sense, you know, as you're walking <laughs> through their house, you yeah. can't, you know, comment on everything that you see because it's their home. And, you know, as a police officer, when I started in 1998, we were one of the first agencies to have in-car recording capabilities in every car we had. We were one of the first ones. Now, mm. in 1998, that was a VCR in the trunk uh, that you know would automatically record when we hit our lights. And then every six hours of recording, we had to take that tape out, book it into evidence, put another VHS tape in. So wow, you know, it's dated technology. Now it's all digital. But the reason I bring that up is I was always aware that all of my traffic stops could be reviewed. And so if I let this person go with a warning, I should have a reason. If I write this person a ticket, I should have a reason. And a mm -hmm. lot of times it was, do I feel like I made my point? You know, if I feel like I made my point with a warning, I'm gonna give you a warning. 
If I don't feel like that's going to make my point, then I'm going to write you a ticket. So just be aware that those things can be reviewed. The text you send to a tenant, the email you send to a tenant could show up on their social media. You know, they could say, this is what my landlord said to me. I can't believe that. And then the local news picks it up. And then every time the snowball rolls over, it picks up more snow. So just think to yourself, permanent record with every type of digital communication you're doing and even potentially face-to-face because I can throw my iPhone in my shirt pocket and the camera be sticking out. I can record everything you're saying and I'm saying uh, and create a record of it. And in Kentucky, I can speak to Kentucky law. Only one person in the conversation has to know it's being recorded, which means I can record our phone calls. I can record our face-to-face interactions I can't record your phone call with somebody else because I'm not in the conversation. I don't know Ohio law on that, but even if they can't use it in court, which is all that means, it can still hit the news. And you can say, well, they had no right to record me. Are you mad because they recorded you or are you embarrassed about how you acted? (laughs) Right. And I have been both, right? (laughs) I have said and done things I shouldn't have said and done. So, you know, trust me on this. But just if you're aware that you're probably being recorded, it does change how you communicate and how you deal with people, and it will make you more professional. I was a fan of the camera in my car because it kept me honest and it kept them honest. I mean, I had people come in and say, you know, Sergeant Harvey was mean to me when he pulled me over. Chief's like, oh, I hate to hear that. Let's watch the video. They're like, oh, I didn't realize there was a video and out they go. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. They knew it was BS. And then when the video was threatened, they're like, oh, sorry, I wasted your time and I'm out. So it protects me and it protects them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Assume, you know, assume everything is public. Assume you're you could be recorded at any time. Yep. Act professionally. And that includes. That includes your personal social media. I mean, when you are dealing with customers, when you are a landlord, when you are all of the people that are listening to you, investors, all that, don't think if I'm dealing with you that I haven't tried to find you on social media (laughs) because I probably have, right? And if I'm a tenant of yours, we may or may not be friends on social media. And so just make sure you're the same person everywhere you go. Make sure you wouldn't be embarrassed if your personal Facebook page or Twitter profile ended up on the national news. Right. Just conduct life that way. And you can bemoan the fact that it shouldn't be that way. And it's my page and I can say what I want to. Oh yeah, you can, but you're not free of the consequences of what you say. Right. And we are in a world of the witch hunt right now Mm. uh, where we're trying to find a reason to knock people off of whatever pedestal we see them on. That's not healthy, but we can bemoan it or we can protect ourselves against it. Yeah, we don't we don't have to like the rules. We just have to understand them and know how to play well and succeed within them. Exactly. So. And even if you're not on social media, which a lot of you may not be, doesn't mean they're not talking about you on social media. So just be aware it may not be your Facebook page that you're famous on, but you based on how you act, may be famous on somebody else's. Mm. All right, man. You gave me you gave me a lot to think about. I'm, I'm already I have a list of things to talk about with my staff. Okay, here's what we got to cover. Here, here's and, how we communicate. And I don't want people to be paranoid. I really don't. I just want people. It comes down to you asked. You know, how do we take care of our team members? How do we take care of our tenants? You just treat people how you would want to be treated. I mean, that's such a simple rule. 
but I think we just have to see things from our employees standpoint, from our tenants standpoint and deal with them. Like we would want someone to treat with us. If I'm late on the rent, call me on it, but don't cuss me out. Right. I don't need that. That doesn't help. We used to say in the police department, you can either choose somebody's hind end or you can write a ticket when you pull them over. You can't do both because mm. if I chew your hind end and let you go, then you're so happy you didn't get a ticket. You're good. But if I do both, there's going to be a complaint. Uh, and I very rarely did either. I just told they knew why I pulled them over. They knew they were busted. Own it. Move on. You know, when you mess up in the world today, just apologize quickly publicly if you need to, privately if it was a private offense, and just say, we are going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Because how we handled that was just not okay, and we're going to do better. That's all I really care about as a client or as an employee. I don't want you to be perfect. I want you to own your mistakes and put things in place to make sure they don't happen again, because I make mistakes too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think, uh, you know, too many people are kind of distracted right now with the world is changing so rapidly. You know, communication is different. We're under new stresses, new uh, restrictions. And mm -hmm. I think taking it back to core principles is reassuring, comforting. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. just treat others the way you want to be treated, um, mm -hmm. if you are just genuine and transparent, when you make a mistake, accept it, move on. Um, I think that is very comforting to know. Yeah, the world is a little different, mm -hmm. but how you succeed in it is the same. That doesn't change. And the, the weird part is if you have built a positive relationship with your tenants, with your employees, with whatever, you actually have more ability to call them out when they're misbehaving because it's coming from a, a caring place. It's coming from, I want you to succeed. I want you to live in this house for as long as you can. I want you to work at this company for as long as you can. So here's what I see you need to do. My best supervisors throughout my working experience were some of my closest friends who actually cared enough to call me out when I needed it. The ones who sat back and accumulated a file on me until they had enough to discipline me or make me look stupid or whatever, those were the kind I couldn't use. But the kind who said, hey, man, <laughs> this is what you did and this is how it played out and let's not do that again. I, because of our relationship, would be more likely to do what they asked me to do because I know it came from a situation of caring. Sure. All right. Well, I know you've given everybody a lot to think about. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of very good guidelines for, for how to move forward and yeah. what things to remove as distractions. So I really appreciate uh, what you've shared. And I feel like I'm internally processing some of it. So yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. For uh, listeners who want to you know, hear more about what you do mm -hmm. um, or maybe try to put you in contact with their school or their company um, so that, you know, you can share the, the message with them and improve those organizations. What's the best way for them to follow you or reach out to you? Yeah, they can go to speakingofharvey.com or they can email me, scott at speakingofharvey.com. And, you know, I would love to come to their organization to present this material. Uh, I do presentations in businesses all the time. Uh, and then sometimes if those businesses choose to move the relationship forward, then I work with them on a monthly basis. I read 
press releases. I go over internal communications. I, they're going to bring in Johnny and talk, have a difficult conversation about Johnny. They call me first and I say, this is the tact I would use or this is the track I would take this conversation. Uh, and then we have monthly Zoom calls with leadership to just, as, as a communication consultant, just make sure we are communicating effectively in the world today. And when we don't, that we own it quickly, control the narrative and we move on. All right, awesome. Well, I encourage everybody to reach out uh, to Scott, check out his uh, website and has great content, great insights. And uh, Scott, as always, enjoyed uh, getting to visit with you and appreciate you taking the time uh, to share your ideas. Thanks a bunch for having me, it's been fun. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.